Hey everyone, I'm Ben. And I'm Ben. And this is Ben's on a Mission. Hey Ben. Hey, how's it going? <laughs> oh great, uh, I'm excited for episode number five, right? Episode six. Episode six? Oh my gosh, yeah, yeah that's right. Can't, can't you believe it? No, it's wild. Thank, thank you to everyone who's uh, been listening to us so far. We are so thankful that we have people that are willing to pick us up and actually try and make sense of what we're saying. And hopefully it's been beneficial to you. We, we really do this just because uh, we felt called to using it as a, as a tool for evangelization, uh, a tool that uh, aligns with our missions to help spread the gospel to the world. And so I hope you're benefiting from that. And if you are, uh, please consider, you know, either subscribing on Spotify, uh, leaving a review on Apple podcast, all those things help us, uh, and help the work that we're doing get out to more people. Uh, if you've already done that, thank you so much. We're so appreciative of it. But that being said, today we're going to move into episode six and today we're going to talk about the saints. Woo. Yeah. Uh, so I wanted to touch a little bit about the saints, uh, talk a little bit about what the Catholic Church's understanding of sainthood is, uh, how does one become a saint, kind of the history behind that, uh, and then one of the things that is really important to, and should be important to all Catholics, but especially, you know, Ben and I as, as missionaries and the way that we live our lives, lives out is this idea of achieving sainthood as like a really important mission in life, uh, if not the most important mission in life. And so we're going to tie that all together then uh, to stay true to our vision of using this podcast as a means to look at things through a missionary lens. Uh, so that being said, to kick us off, I just wanted to ask you, Ben, when I say the word saint or bring up sainthood, what is kind of the first thing, second thing, things that come to mind when I, when I bring that up? Sure. Yeah. So I think about the classic definition of saints, which is which you'll talk about more, but it's it's anyone who's in heaven. And I think when I ever I think about sainthood, I, I just reduce it down to that, that very simple definition. It's like getting to heaven, you know? So like you said, our main goal in life is to be saints. And I think that I always just take that sentence and, and make it even easier. I'm just like, my main goal in life is to get to heaven. Like, that's what life's all about. That's what I'm trying to do for myself. That's what I want to try and do for uh, my family, you know? Like, that's the whole goal. So... It really feels like so fundamental and so basic and it's exciting because I think that there are so many avenues and so many routes, especially as proven through saints that we have in the church and we'll get into that. But um, it's not just a singular road and it's not a formula. It's really something a lot more creative and exciting and mysterious on a lot of fronts too, um, but also just so simple and I think we'll talk about all that. So, Something I'm curious about and this is... Again, maybe the cynic in me talking a bit, but uh, do you feel like when we talk about the road to sainthood or sanctification, do you ever feel like it's daunting or like intimidating? Like, I know it's exciting yeah, and, and we should be joyous about it, but do you know what sure. I mean? Like, have you ever yeah. been affected by the flip side? Yeah. Oh, that's a fantastic question. I think about this a lot as the, as kind of the way I think about like being happy. It's like, I don't, if your goal is to be happy like if you're trying to just pursue being happy, you might not do a very good job. But if your goal is to take baby steps and do things that might result in happiness, you know, have fulfilling relationships, um, take care of yourself, uh, pursue meaningful goals, 
then you will end up being happy. So I think about that with sainthood. Like if I focus on it too much, I get kind of daunted. And I think that ultimately uh, the road to sainthood, well, I mean, it, it it is, you know, we have a lot of free will and it's our decision as well, but it's something that's also like, it's completely up to God and uh, God willing, we all become saints. And so at a certain point, I'm also just invited to kind of let go of that and focus on what I can do, which, like I said, are all the small things like in this context, it'd be like, have a deep prayer life, um, focus on my relationship with God, go to church, um, invest in my Catholic faith, these kinds of things. Yeah. How do you feel about this? Do you feel kind of daunted or intimidated when you think about the idea of becoming a saint? I do. And, you know, maybe it's maybe it's a sign of pride and maybe a, a, an effect of pride that that causes that. But, you know, I, I sometimes I'm like, gosh, was it Mother Teresa when she was alive? Someone asked her, like, are you a living saint? And she said something about like not being called that or like if you call me a saint now like it doesn't mean anything or, or something yeah. like that and i'm completely butchering the power of what she said but um <laughs> it to me i kind of feel similarly where like you're i i don't want to i don't want to put my goal to become a saint on like a pedestal and then that yeah. becomes something that like i use as a means for people to like observe me and, and look at me because I, yeah. I, I think it can lead to pride. Um, sure. So yeah, I think that's true when, when I'm daunted by it, when I'm scared by it, I think that's kind of why. And I mean, there's so much to unpack there and, and maybe we'll talk about that in the future, but it, it is joyous. It is a joyous thing. And obviously we are trying to strive to become saints. Uh, but that's kind of like where my hesitation or my, my, um, where I become yeah. dissuade is yeah. from. Yeah. It's, it's just tricky. Like, it's like, look, it's like trying to look through the lens of like, I mean, it's like trying to look through the lens of like, as if you were asking yourself the question, is what I'm doing right now going to be beneficial for me in 50 years, you know, or something like that. It's like, you might be able to kind of answer that question, but it's also just so like, it's not very relevant to right now. It's <laughs> I'm not phrasing that well because like being a saint striving to grow closer to God is like always relevant. You always want to do that. But I just, in my head, it, it just isn't like I will accomplish that goal. If I just focus on one day at a time, one step at a time, if, if I'm, if I'm just focused on what I need to do tomorrow, you know, I like, I will, tomorrow will eventually become 50 years and I will have accomplished that goal of, what I need to do in 50 years. So I just kind of bring it more basic. I, I, I think that it can be, it's not meant to be an overwhelming thing. It's meant to be an invitation and one that you kind of maybe keep in the back of your mind and you pursue it little by little with the small things that you do each day. So, yeah. No, I think that's, I think that's awesome. Uh, I think this idea of taking things day by day or doing the little things is a great segue into kind of the history of sainthood within the Catholic church. So we kind of established what is a saint. A saint is someone who's in heaven, uh, whether we formally recognize it or not. Uh, so there's an numerous amount of saints out there that we haven't necessarily officially canonized in the church, but that's not to say that they're not as saintly. And so I kind of wanted to talk a little bit about the history of sainthood. How does one become a saint? And I, I touch upon you talking about the little things, uh, because... Mm-hmm. 
in the early church for the first five centuries, uh, the way that people became saints was uh, by the Vox Populi or the Vox Dei, which is voice of the people or voice of God. And how this worked is essentially in your local church community. After you died, typically these were martyrs, uh, so many of them were persecuted and, and died for their faith. And after that, people who had witnessed those martyrdoms, people who had known those people, started to form cults around them. Uh, cults understood today as like devotionals or um, kind of these groups of public veneration towards these people. Mm-hmm. And it became that once you've established this kind of group of people that venerate you, you've become a saint, essentially. They, they recognize you that your your martyrdom or your virtue virtuous lifestyle uh, caused them to want to pay homage to you, you know, to reverence you in some way. Uh, and, and that then led to you being proclaimed a saint. And that's how the early church did it for, you know, 500 years. After that, in the 6th century, it was the same sort of process where a local community recognized the valor of someone, uh, the virtuous life they lived, you know, maybe the martyrdom that they went under. But the bishop then started to have more of a hand in it. And so a group of people who witnessed the life of a person and wanted to proclaim them a saint or have a devotion to them would take that individual's cause to the local bishop, and then they would basically present it to the bishop, and the bishop would declare that person meritable of sainthood. And that went on for another four or five hundred years or so. And it wasn't until the 10th century that the local bishops started to gather kind of testimonies and eyewitnesses to talk about the things that that person might have done, whether they actually um, performed a miracle or if they uh, just lived these extremely virtuous and charitable lives, people could then give their testimony to the bishop and the bishop would collect all of those formal eyewitness stories and then present them to the pope. Uh, So then the pope started to become part of the canonization process. Mm. And so it was in the year 993 that the canonization of saints by the Pope was first recognized. Uh, and that was Pope John the 15th who canonized St. Ulrich of Augsburg. Uh, St. Ulrich was a bishop in Augsburg. Uh, this would have been like Germanic territory at the time. And there were invaders coming, uh, and he helped defend the local community and promote the faith, so on and so forth. Uh, He's the patron of pregnant women and easy births because Mm -hmm. the lore around him was that if a woman drank from his cup, they would um, have an easy birth. So that's kind of cool. And then this kind of idea of the Pope formally canonizing saints became more official when Pope Sixtus V reorganized the Roman Curia in 1588, and he established the Congregation for Sacred Rites. And essentially, the role of the congregation was to review the cases for sainthood. And so all of the saints prior to 1588, we would recognize them under the um, term pre-congregation. 
Uh, you know, we look at that for the early church martyrs, like I was saying, so on and so forth. Mm-hmm. But after 1588, there started to become a formal process uh, mm-hmm. in in which one could become a saint. And that process remained intact, almost untouched, from 1588 all the way up until 1917, when the Code of Canon Law was promulgated. And in 1917, under the new Code of Canon Law, Basically, it broke down the cause for canonization into different processes, which we'll get into a little bit here. And ultimately, it was kind of grassroots. So there was a local cause, then like a greater cause, and then ultimately the Pope was at the end of the line uh, to canonize the saint at the, at the end of the day, which was a, a really cool progression. And this is all important and ties back to your point of like doing the small things because ultimately sainthood starts at the diocesan level. Every saint's cause is brought forth by the diocese in which that saint was a part of. And so I think it's really encouraging for you, for to, for me to hear you say that like the road to sainthood is just like an every, like day-to-day small process. You know, mm-hmm. tomorrow's going to turn into 50 years eventually. I, I really like that. But do you see kind of the the connection there? Mm, yeah, absolutely. Yeah, it's it's a local thing. It's as it's as small as you can make it, and then it becomes something bigger. Um, and interestingly enough, I think as you'll kind of talk about here soon, it's not of your own of your own volition all the time. It's you su- it's submit yourself to God and let Him form you, let Him and and let Him uh, um, develop you into a saint. <laughs> yeah, to put it simply. Next question for you, Ben. This is a little bit of Catholic trivia for you. Um, do you know what the four stages of becoming a saint are? Um, before consulting with you, before this podcast, I'm trying to think. I would have guessed. I think I got like a couple. <laughs> I would have got like servant of God. Okay. And um, and then like blessed, which I asked you a question about, which is great. I'm excited to bring this up, but. Yeah, and I would have no idea where those like fall within the progression. So this was great to be able to kind of learn more about this and get some clarification. No, two, two of the four. That's awesome. Nice. Um, yeah, so there are four stages in becoming a saint. And the first one is servant of God, which you mentioned. And servant of God is when your diocese has officially brought forth a case for your sainthood to the Vatican. If you were to go on the Vatican's website, dicastery of cause for sainthood or something like that, I should really know these things before I plug them. But uh, <laughs> you can find this information on, on the um, Vatican's website, and you can find a list of the, the people who are being considered for sainthood mm-hmm. at various different levels, uh, which is super cool. Yeah. And... I mean, there are notable servants of God uh, in the U.S., um, across the globe, and it's really interesting to see that how many holy people are kind of up for, I don't want to say nomination, but like the that their local community has recognized them as someone that should be venerated to, to a yeah. degree. And so I think that's really cool. The second step is riffing off the word venerated is venerable 
And so when one is declared venerable, essentially that means that after reviewing your case, uh, the Pope has declared that you have exerted some sort of heroic virtue, but you haven't been cleared for beatification yet. And beatification mm-hmm. being the third process, and beatification simply means that a miracle has been associated to this person post their death. Beatification is where you were hitting on with blessed. So when we yeah. when we talk about saints, typically the most common you're going to hear, um, or people who are on the road to sainthood, I should say, the most common you're going to hear are blessed. There's so many different blesseds out there. Uh, Carlo, Carlo Acuti, Carlos. Carlo. Yeah, blessed. Carlo. Blessed correct. Carlo Acuti. Yeah, blessed. Uh, yeah. Padre Pio. He's a blessed, isn't he? Yeah, right. I think so. Not Padre Pio. Um, oh. The 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 Verso Lealto guy. Um, oh. Oh, uh, you're talking. Uh, duh. Uh, uh, it's, on, it's, on, <laughs> it's on the tip of our tongues here. Oh. Pierre Giorgio Frasati. Some- Frasati, is it? Okay, okay. Blessed Pierre Giorgio Frasati. And we're silly because he, uh, Padre Pio is a saint right now. Yes, yes. That's why yeah. I was like, it's not Padre yeah. Pio. He's a saint. Was, was that recently? Do you know? Um, I think he was, oh. canon- he was canonized. It was a um, while ago. 2002. Oh, okay. Way, way to pull that up. Way to Google yep. quicker. Thank you. I was just gonna. I was just gonna take a whack at it. I, th- I, I was gonna say. I think it was JP two that that canonized him. But anyway, blesseds. Uh, so the beatification process is is the third process on becoming a saint. And then lastly, we have canonization. Canonization being the recognition of a second miracle attributed to that person post death, and then that's when we recognize them as a saint. So once you've yeah. been canonized, you've become a saint. Well, yeah. you've been officially recognized as a saint. Very cool. So a question I thought of that I maybe you, if we don't know if you don't know the answer to this, our listeners could just Google it and probably find the answer. But <laughs> wondering if you knew the answer to this, Ben. Um, I feel like I remember hearing at some point that the phrase "devil's advocate" came from the like the process of canonization i i don't want to is this ringing any bell before i dive into what i might know about this um i'm i'm not gonna lie i've heard the same thing i know for a fact that there are people who are like assigned each of the cases to like in-depth review them at at the vatican level yeah um I don't think their title is officially de- no, devil's yeah. advocate. I think that I, was a very like informal term that was coined. Yeah. 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 I think it's probably like a colloquial thing yeah. that, that some unlucky fella yeah. <laughs> was deemed. Yeah. So basically what Ben and I are saying, and I don't know if this is like still a thing. I really, you should look it up because it's, it's kind of an interesting thing in general, but I don't know if it's still happening, but basically in the process of canonization, there is, yeah, obviously a very in-depth review to make sure that these miracles are legit and that this process is, there's no outliers that would prevent, you know, the legitimacy of all this and someone, or or maybe it's the same person who kind of does the advocacy for the saint is also, their job is to dig into 
uh, and find reasons why they might not be quote unquote eligible for sainthood or something. Um, and I think at some point they were deemed devil's advocate. So, um, as in terms of why they might not be saints. So yeah, anyways, you should take a look at it, look it up and yeah, let us know. Yeah. I just pulled it up here, make it easy for everyone. And, uh, so it, it is within the, the, the process of this sort of formalized sainthood. Um, so the promoter of the faith is a title that, um, Essentially, a canon a canon lawyer is appointed by the church to not argue against a candidate, but essentially do the hard digging to see if this candidate, for some reason, has an is invalid in being canonized. Um, their job is to really take an important look at miracles attributed to the candidate candidate and see if it's um, fraudulent or if it's merited. It was it was established in uh, fifteen eighty seven under under Pope Sixtus V, and the formal mention of the office didn't become a thing until uh, Pope Leo X, and that was the first kind of mention that that existed. But Pope John Paul II reduced the kind of power that that person had uh, in nineteen eighty three, and essentially. It used to be a lot more argumentative or like their job is strictly supposed to be to disprove their cause for sainthood. Mm -hmm. Uh, And and John Paul II turned that more into just like a critical examination of of what's there. Um, But that is kind of the history behind it. Yeah, yeah. There's like, I don't know if we watched this in some class we had, Ben, but I'm thinking about some movie that I watched at some point at Loris in a class about kind of about this process. It was like a movie about the canonization process of someone. And I think it was pretty dramatized because they were definitely like, if I remember right, there was someone in the movie who was like, quote unquote, devil's advocate trying like very hard to disprove this person's sainthood. Do you, is this ringing a bell at all? Do you remember this movie at all? Yeah. We watched it in uh, in our cluster cluster. Uh, ah. I, think it's, I think it's the third miracle. Yeah, that's right. Yeah. Is that is that the name of it? Yeah, yeah. I remember it being pretty good. I thought it was pretty thought-provoking, yeah. It's got a really young Ed Harris in it. Oh, yeah, that's right. Yes. <laughs> yeah, it was good. But anyways, if you want a dramatic retelling or sh- or showing of the process of canonization, it's a pretty good movie. I liked it. <laughs> it, is, it is a good movie, and I think everyone should give it a watch just to get a yeah. better understanding of the dramatization of this process yeah and and another thing too is so in like um cases of controversy the vatican may seek like uh the testimony of someone who's like a critic of canonization so for example um atheist author christopher hitchens was one of the people called to trial to out to speak against mother Teresa. Um, oh wow! In in her beatification hearings. Wow, interesting. Yeah. So. Wow. Um, ben, I want to uh, pitch the question to you, which you wrote, which is a great question, and I thought a really good way to bring all this like back to our personal lives. But um, these four stages of becoming a saint: servant of God, venerable, beatification, and canonization. How might you apply them 
to your everyday life. So like, what does it mean to be a servant of God right now? And then how does that develop into venerable and then develop into beatification and then canonization? Like we're, we're, we're getting kind of abstract with these terms or something like that, but how can we kind of make a, 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 a good or fun analogy, at least out of um, the process of becoming a saint? No, that's a, that's a great question. And I think we'll, we'll start at the basic and we'll work our way up. Mm -hmm. Um, I think first when talking about servant of God, you got to get out there. You got to be active in the church. You got to, you know, whether it be in your parish community, uh, you know, whatever Catholic or group you might be involved in, you know, if you have a young adult group, a youth group, um, you know, a mom's group, uh, a dad's group, a woman's group, a men's group, so on and so forth, you know, get out there and get involved You know the, the life we're called to live as Catholics is an active one. And our faith is a call to action. And so mm-hmm. I think the first step is to live up to that call and be active yeah. in, in parish life. What do you think? Yeah. I don't know if I have much to add to that. Honestly, I thought that was a great breakdown. Very simple. Um, yeah being active and being out there serving God in whatever facet that might be, because there's about a million ways to serve God and um, yeah, doing that with your whole heart. This can be as easy as being a greeter at, mm-hmm. at your church, hmm. uh, you know, a lector. If you, if you have the voice to read and the, and the courage to read, uh, you know, take part in the choir, go to a Bible study, you know, just, just make yourself known, make yourself present. Don't, don't hide. Don't be that, um, don't be the dine and dashers, the guys that show up for the Eucharist and then leave. Yeah, right. So, um, moving on to venerable, I think this is kind of a more interior to exterior change. So how do we how do we become venerable in our in our regular lives? I think that's we have to center our life around virtue. Uh, you know, we're we're declared a saint is declared venerable. Um, when heroic virtue is attributed to them. And so what does that look like? You know, how do we become virtuous? Well, first we need to examine virtues. Uh, You know, everyone tells us patience is a virtue, but also like temperance and um, charity, generosity, you know, these great virtues and start applying them to your outward life. You know, if you're not living a life of virtue, then you need to re-examine that to enter into this sort of state of venerableness if we're making that connection there. Yeah. Yeah. I, once again, I, yeah, I don't have too much to add. I like this idea of interior to exterior. Um, virtue begins inside and then it you know radiates outward. So that's the only tiny little point I would like to add. Yeah. I mean, I just, uh, I just helped lead a men's retreat in the diocese here. And one of the things we talked about was like, the best way to be a virtuous person is by examining that which is important to you and then finding how to point that towards God. And I think that's kind of what I'm talking about here, you know, do an inward reflection of that which matters to you most and then also reflect and enact that turning towards God. Very cool. That's a great, that's a great point. Third piece beatification how do we become blessed and honestly i say that you have to really invoke prayer in your life you know be, allow god to work miracles in your life 
by asking for his blessings, praying constantly and continuously. Prayer, prayer is essential to achieving sainthood. And I think yeah. this is such a, you know, it's, it's easy to start being active. It's easy to try and change some lifestyles, um, but it can be hard to pray. And I yeah. think when we neglect that third pillar, the other two start to fall. And so we need to have a foundational prayer life, kind of like we spoke about in, in previous episodes, to go forward and to achieve this sort of beatification. Yep. Yeah, the word that came to mind when I was thinking about this was like being a vessel. And that's a prayer that a word or a prayer that I think about quite a bit is like, Lord, like act through me. Like my goal, my role is to be as open to you as possible and that you might shine through in all facets of my life. So this is a this is a tricky part of prayer because it does not require much of an action on your part as much as it is like a disposition to just be open and being able to be molded as God would like to mold you because it's for your benefit, but it's also for everyone else's benefit. Um, yeah. And I kind of like this progression of like, we're taking the progression of, or yeah, I like how we're taking the progression of canonization and kind of translating it into like daily life habits. But this obviously isn't a necessarily a progression, like servant of God is kind of more active Ven- or the venerable, our relation to our daily life with for venerable was kind of um, active, but interior beatification was, this is more of an interior focus. We're not saying that things necessarily start with your activity in your church and they end up with affecting your prayer life. You know, these are all important uh, simultaneously, but at the same time, um, there's something cool here to be said about as we progress in the spiritual life, I think there is, at least this is true for me, I feel a huge sense of surrender. It's a continual, I'm mm. kind of feeling like I'm doing less. Like I I need to be the one to step back. And the more I step back, the more God can step forward. And um, in that way, I feel like I'm doing more of uh, God's will. I think the uh, analogy I kind of thought of here was a point that I think I ran out of time to add into our prayer episode but this idea of beatification and having a deep and, and a growing interior prayer life is kind of similar to like what our understanding of contemplation is as within prayer like um contemplation is a, a gift it's not something that you can necessarily do mm-hmm. it's a it's a disposition it's an openness to god um and uh yeah, in the same way, that's that's not just a facet of our prayer life. It's kind of an important facet of important facet of uh, all aspects of our spiritual life and our life in general. So, yeah, I kind of went on a little detour there to bring it back, but uh, yeah, that was what I wanted to add about beatification. No, I think that's beautiful. Thanks, Ben. Yeah, um, and then lastly, we have canonization, and honestly, when I was thinking about how do we what is the connection between canonization, you know, when a saint achieves sainthood uh, or is recognized as a saint and like, how can we mimic that in everyday life? And the idea is, you know, get to heaven and most mm-hmm. importantly, take as many souls with you as you can. Yep. Yeah. I don't have much to add. That's, that's about it. <laughs> that's like, that's like the mission in life. Yeah. If right. I were to sum it up, you know, as yeah. We're, we're trying to get to heaven. 
i.e. become saints, and we're trying to take as many with you, with us as we can. Right. I think part of the reason that like, I don't have much, you or I don't have too much to add to this is kind of circling back to our very first point, which is like becoming a saint, like, yes, that is the goal, but there's all these other things that are a part of it. And like, so having a good prayer life, pursuing virtue, um, being a servant of God, being active in your community and, and the people in your life, like those are the day by day steps that lead you up to the 50 year goal that you've set up before you or whatever, which is becoming a saint, you know to relate it back to the spiritual life. so Absolutely. I wanted to ask you a bit about uh, the communion of saints. Ooh. When I when I use the term commun- communion of saints, uh, what, what comes to mind? Ooh. Um, what I... My understanding of the communion of saints is that basically the body of the church, which is compi- compri- comprised of people here on earth and people in heaven and i was gonna say also purgatory question mark i'm not exactly sure on that but it's basically there's a physical realm here on earth and there's a spiritual realm in heaven and we are all the body of christ and um the saints in heaven while they are spending eternity uh, praising glorifying god and um being completely fulfilled there's also an element of they are praying for us and interceding for us and uh, we can ask them to pray and intercede for us. So correct me if I, if any of that wasn't accurate, because that's kind of my understanding, which is pretty basic. So, No, I think all of that is pretty spot on. Cool. Um, super beautiful way of putting it. I want to read for you a quick, cap, uh, quick excerpt from the Catechism of the Catholic Church and that kind of talks about this. And it, it says... In a certain sense, this article is a further explanation of the preceding, what is the church if not the assembly of all the saints? The communion of saints is the church. And it goes on to say that the term communion of saints, therefore, has two closely linked meanings, communion in holy things, sancta, and among holy persons, sancti. And so it's, it's kind of what you're saying there. It's a collection of heaven and earth. It is the church, yeah. you know, the the communion of saints is this connection between the divine in the material world and the divine in the, you know, metaphysical, um, you know, heavenly world. The communion of saints is the church. We've established this. And so that, like, going back to my original question at the beginning of this, you know, is it daunting? to become a saint and one of the things that kind of uh, calms me down and clears my woes is this idea that like no it shouldn't be daunting because we're already we already have a foretaste of it you know we're already partaking in sainthood Mm. to a degree yeah yeah that's interesting like we get to tap into that by being part of the church and yeah. when ideally when we're done with our earthly you know mission we get to be the other part of it that those on earth get to tap into i don't know if that's theologically sound but that's kind of the understanding that i have of it sure yeah even if it's not like theologically like written down you know i think that's a very fair interpretation of this like 
if the communion of saints includes us here on earth, then in some sense, like as long as we are doing the best we can to conform ourselves to the will of God, like we're being formed into saints right now. So um, there's some sort of mysterious link there that, you know, to it's, it's a mystery. And like to dive into it, you might learn more about the mystery, but at its core, it's a mystery. And there's something really beautiful about that. And the idea that we also have all of this uh, spiritual help coming from heaven at all times is really great too. So yeah, I can't remember what saint I heard about this recently, but I, I've been reading St. Uh, Faustina's diary, uh, divine mercy in my soul. I think I can't remember. Yeah. And, uh, she, she, as well as other saints that I've heard it just like part of their writings on earth are about like, man, I can't wait to go to heaven and intercede for souls on earth. Like there's a, there's a really clear link between the two. And um, that's what at least impacts me on a day-to-day basis. Like when I think about the communion of saints, I just feel grateful that it's not just us alone on earth trying to figure it out. You know, we also have people who have made it to heaven and we have that help. So, yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. Something that I'm just going to point our listeners to is that we talked in our episode on prayer about the power of tapping into asking for the saints intercession and whatnot yeah so i'm not i'm not going to beat a dead horse and you know bring that up again uh if you want to learn more i I highly recommend giving that episode a listen uh and in it we kind of talk about the power that the saints kind of have when we ask them to take our prayers and pray them as well that being said i wanted to wrap into kind of touching on saints that are important to us ones that we might pray to or one uh, ones that we might ask for their intercession um, or ones that just for whatever reason are, are important to us. And so I asked Ben to pick out three if he had, I know it's so hard to pick um, just three, but I asked Ben to pick out his top three and I'm just going to hand it over to you uh, to share. Yeah, sure. Absolutely. So number one, um, St. Catherine of Siena. I I always preface things before I say them, so I'm just going to say it and then tell you why. St. Catherine of Siena. um, I love her deep interior prayer life. Um, I read her, I think she has the dialogue and the conversation, I think, are two different. Oh, man. I think I read dialogue um, with God, and that was like super impactful for my prayer life, and she just seems to be just like, so she was so tapped into what goes on in heaven and her time on earth. And I just really appreciate her insight. And I've felt like I have received so much intercession from her in my life. So St. Catherine of Siena, number one, number two, uh, St. Therese Lisieux. And I don't know, I have not read like a ton of St. Therese, but I love, and she's the one, I don't know if anyone knows this already, but she's the little flower is also her nickname. Her whole thing was that she read about all the saints and was like, I can't do that. That's way too difficult. And was like, I'm just going to do the smallest things I can. And that's how I'm going to make my road to sainthood. I like, I love the emphasis on, um, doing what I can. I love the emphasis on, I'm going to like, I don't have to be like someone else. I can do this a different way. Um, and also she's like, I, in the stuff I have read about her, she's pretty like, it's not so, uh, uh, 
what's the word I'm looking for? Her writings aren't so crazy, like mysterious, like, oh, mystical. Her, her writings don't seem to be like so mystical, which like mystical, mystical stuff is great. There's a time and place for it. It's beautiful. But I do like how like kind of practical she is. And uh, she's been very helpful for my spiritual life as well. And the third one is St. Faustina. Um, yeah, I'm reading her diary right now. I'm like three-fourths the way through it. It is awesome. Um, I had an old spiritual director of mine recommend it to me. And it's been a great, great read. Highly recommend it. I use it usually kind of like a devotional in the morning, reading like a couple pages or so. So I've been reading this for like over a year at this point. I'm not a fast reader. I don't read a lot. But there's so many good points in there. And the she to say beats a dead horse is like an understatement because she beats a dead horse (laughs) about mercy over and over and over and over again like if you just trust in god's mercy you'll see so much fruit in your life like trust have mercy trust have mercy trust have mercy like um or sorry trust in god's mercy trust trust in god's mercy trust in god's mercy is like what she says over and over and over and over so um yeah I like her writings a lot too. Sometimes I read her stuff and I'm like, I don't know if I can do what you do, but then I'm grateful to have saints that are like St. Therese who had that same thought and then they pursue holiness in the ways they can. So those are my three. I got my three girls. Those are my saints. They're all great. And honestly, when you were talking about um, like the road to sainthood earlier, I just couldn't help but think about St. Therese of Lisieux and and like yeah. the little flower stuff. And I, I thought that yep. the entire time you were saying it. So I'm glad that you brought her up. Yeah. So who you got, Ben? Who's your three? Who's in your, who's in your three? You ever see that back in the day they had like a T-Mobile thing that was like, who's in your five speed dial? So who's <laughs> in your three? Who are you three speed dialing? That's right. I, you know what? We should have done five. I was really contemplating doing it. And then I was like, no, it's too much. It's too much. Cause it, it's so hard. It's so hard. <laughs> But the, my first one uh, is actually my, my confirmation saint uh, is St. Raphael. St. Raphael being an archangel, and you find him in the book of Tobit uh, in the Old Testament. And he is incredible. He, you know, I think about, I think about the archangels, like our big three. We got Gabriel, Michael, Raphael. And I feel like he's the, like, humble, soft-going you know, of the three, you know, Michael's out here fighting and slaying demons. Gabriel's like, I'm about to give you big tasks, big, big things are going to happen. And Raphael is a healer and he's a um, traveler. So he's the patron saint of travelers, which is one reason why I picked him. He, he In the in the book of Tobit, he has this beautiful story of where he just accompanies Tobit's son, Tobiah, on a journey uh, to essentially find a wife and uh, he heals this woman uh, who has a history of uh, being in- infected by a demon that causes her to not be able mm-hmm. to pr- produce a child and so it's just a it's a beautiful story and he's a healer he's an accompanier and like I don't think of him as this giant power like the big like the other two big archangels that I think of um, and I think that's so beautiful of a, of a representation of how God works both in these very majestic ways, but also in these very like subtle companion ways. Um, mm-hmm. So that's my number one. Number two is St. Maria Goretti. I absolutely love St. Maria Goretti. 
if you're unfamiliar with her story, it is a beautiful story of forgiveness, yeah, of love, and ultimately surrendering to God. And I, I encourage people to read about her more. If you're unfamiliar with the story, uh, I don't want to give it away because it's so good. Um, but I, I really turn to her a lot when it comes to like needing to find forgiveness, you know, needing to surrender myself to, to the will of God. Uh, she She's so young, too. Uh, I think she's, if not the youngest canonized saint, I think she's one of the youngest canonized saints. Um, and it's it's an absolutely incredible story, and I, I love her so much. And then reigning in at number three is St. John the 23rd. St. John the 23rd was the pope that started Vatican II. I didn't know much about St. John the 23rd until when I was in college, I picked up a book called uh, I Will Be Called John, which is a biography about John the 23rd. And I learned so much about him and fell in love with him as like a person. I think he's so cool. And after reading that, I've slowly been working my way through, and I mean slowly because it's been like six plus years, working my way through the Journal of a Soul, which is when John the 23rd was on his deathbed, he told his um, secretary, take my journals and publish them. And he has journals all the way back from when he was in seminary as like a teenager, all the way up until he passed away. Um, and it's it's powerful. It's such a great interior look at this man. Um, and and I, I really enjoy the, he, he's known as the, the, the good pope, the, the fat pope. Um, he always had this big smile on his face. He was a, a bigger guy, loved a good meal. Um, so he's just, he's just an incredible kind of saint that I've, I've found myself having a, a devotion towards. That's my three. So, uh, to wrap things up, I would be remiss if we didn't shout out to our sponsor, John, uh, St. St. John. And people might say that I was picking and choosing here, uh, but I picked a quote from the Gospel of John. It's John chapter 1, verses 11 and 12. And I think it does a good job of kind of talking about how through Jesus we've been invited to this sanctification, to this, um, through him we've been invited to become saints. And so the quote, uh, the, the passage reads, He came to what was his own, but his own people did not accept him. But to those who did accept him, he gave power to become children of God to those who believe in his name. And I think that last part there, he gave power to become children of God to those who believe in his name, is kind of this like, when we accept Jesus and accept his teachings and try to emulate that in our lives, we've been given the gift to be called child of God and i.e. through that, um, join him in heaven and become saints. Yeah, I truly, I don't have too much to add on top of it besides just, I feel like this is a great, another reiteration of our role in the path of sainthood is to um, continue to open ourselves up to God, to become vessels, to allow God to work through us. Um, he gave power to these people, to us, <laughs> these people equals us, to become children of God. Um, this is God's gift that he wants to give to you 
he wants to give it to you. So we have to just be open to accepting it. So if there's, yeah, maybe the, uh, maybe I'm saying this because I felt it so truly in my own life, but if there's at least one message, I hope I can, maybe someone out there is on the same spiritual path as me right this moment, but it's all about surrender and it's about giving up ourselves and allowing God to work through us and not stressing out too much about what do I need to do to become a saint? What do I need to do to follow the will of God? Like it's, it's much more about, uh, I keep saying disposition, but it is true. It's, it's much more about, uh, a state of, of receptivity. Um, and God will do with you what he wants, (laughs) which is only going to be for your good. So. No, I think that's great. Um, you're talking about surrender a bunch and I have a, uh, there's a Catholic musician out there. Her name's Dana Catherine, and uh, um, she's a friend of mine. And she has a song called "The Surrender Song," and I just like it made me think about that. It's it's beautiful. Um, mm. Typically, we end with like a, a challenge or like an encouraging thing for people to go out and do. And uh, I don't know, just listen to you kind of talk about that, Ben. I, I I think today what I have for people in regards to it going forth is challenge yourself to surrender in some way this week to to god that could mean a myriad of things to a myriad of people um but if you're really rooted in prayer and if you really consider it i think god will do beautiful things to you and that's my challenge Mm -hmm. this week and what's the name of that song the surrender song by who ben dana catherine okay beautiful that's my that's what i'm doing i'm listening to that (laughs) awesome yeah well hey thanks ben thank you ben thanks for taking a great lead on this and uh helping me to learn so much more about saints and i hope that uh this conversation could help some people learn more about saints too so yeah thank you all as always for listening for being a part of this and uh yeah like ben said all the reviews and, and any type of sharing that you might do are super helpful, whether it's word of mouth or sharing on social media or anything. We'd be super appreciative of that. So thank you to all of you who listen. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. And God bless everyone. God bless you. Take care. Talk to you next time. Bye-bye. Bye.